Hello, you are listening to an episode of the Safa Talents podcast series. I'm Katja, founder of safatalents.org. We feature personal stories about people in the Middle East. At the heart are people who are building bridges and connecting hearts across cultures with a special focus on women and talents. Their stories will enrich our perspectives on the Middle East. For this third episode from Oman, I visited Abir Al-Mujaini at the Developmental Clinic of the University Hospital. We talked about mental health of youth in Oman and her role as a child psychologist. Abir explains why she co-founded a volunteering organization to raise awareness for mental health. We also discuss her ideas on sustainable volunteering work, her leadership role and her aspirations for the future. A warm welcome to all listeners. Ahlan wa sahlan. This time I'm in Muscat in Oman at the Sultan Qaboos University Hospital and Abir Al-Mujaini is hosting me in her office or in actually in an assessment room. <laughs> it's not really your office, fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's very plain. Uh, there is not much in here, which is perfect for the interview, but would maybe not be such a nice office no. for you. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you and welcome, Avir. Wow, thank you, you for said my name very <laughs> very well. Thank you so much for having me. It's a privilege. Let's uh, tell our listeners a little bit about where we are. So this is the Sultan Qaboos Hospital, mm. the university clinic, mm. but we are in a special department. So we are in the developmental clinic. This clinic is interested in the development or child development, and it's under child uh, health department. And we basically see autistic children, but also children that are facing any form of delay. So gross motor delay or fine motor delay, speech delay, any child that's not progressing normally. And we uh, try to figure out why, or we try to figure out what's the uh, reason behind this delay, how we can help in uh, having an early intervention. Um, and we sometimes assess them for their poor school performance. So sometimes the delay would be okay until they reach school. So, yeah. Like every professional, you jump directly into your work. Mm. <laughs> But um, this is exactly also what we want to talk about today. Yeah. So this is perfect. So, yeah. So anything else? To, I mean, there are no clients here right now. There yes, are no so parents with the children. It's not, uh, it's the afternoon, so everyone left. Uh, today I only had two clients, so not that much, but normally an afternoon would stop at 2.30 p.m. Uh, and now day is over, so that's why <laughs> no more clinic. <laughs> so we have all the silence we need for our interview. Perfect. So let's jump right into it. So I was very, very pri uh, privileged to go to school in London because of my father's work in the embassy. Um, and I grew up five years in London. Then I came back to Oman. And then um, I went and moved with my family to Berlin. Um, and after that, I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship uh, to go to Edinburgh um, and study in Harriet Watt University and to study psychology. 
um, after that, I came back and um, I was volunteering and uh, doing um, unpaid uh, internships for a year. And then I was very blessed to have a job here in the autism uh, or development clinic in the university. I mean, as far as I know, uh, science and applied science of psychology in Oman is still very basic, yeah, uh, and in its beginnings. So when you came back from Scotland, um, what did you find here regarding uh, childhood psychology? Uh, unfortunately, psychologists, uh, especially child psychologists, are very uh, limited. Um, most psychologists don't have an organization or an association that um, hosts them or uh, unites them. So some are under school, some are under health, some are under businesses and whatnot. So it was very, very hard to find a place or a guide or a mentor uh, to just show me around. So childhood psychologists in Oman, I don't even consider myself a fully childhood psychologist based on European standards, but um, unfortunately, they, we're close to a very, very small number, unfortunately. But, Can you give us... Uh, I think there's... A number? In terms of clinical psychologists at the doctorate level, there's two. Uh, in Oman. In Oman. Um, okay. In terms of registered psychologist, I think it's less than 30 uh, registered psychologists in the Ministry of Health. Um, in terms of school psychologist, uh, I think it's close to 200 uh, only. And then um, I think in businesses and other um, other places, mostly are graduating now only in the within the two or three years. Um, but other than that, we're not that many, unfortunately. So actually, where you were studying about psychology, mm. the situation and the environment yes, and the professional yes. surroundings were completely yes. different to, from what you found exactly. here. Exactly. And um, the standards for psychology is different. I mean, I would not have been able to do everything that I've done in the UK because it's very established in the UK. Psychology already has an ethics, uh, has a sta an organization, has the British Psychological Association, has a code of conduct. It's, uh, everything is there and it's well established and it's been in the UK for years and years. But in Oman, it's still starting, unfortunately. There has been psychologists in the country, but um, unfortunately, we still don't have an association. We still don't have uh, very clear standards uh, for the country. So that sounds difficult for somebody who comes here with not so much experience, mm -hmm. but a lot of theory, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, because you don't get a lot of guidance yeah. that way. But at the same time, obviously, it opens up opportunities mm, yeah. uh, to create something or to start something new and to establish? I think, yes, it is a very, very um, new environment. Uh, I mean, a very, very fresh environment where you can just grow anything and it will just blossom because there's nobody that grew it before. So basically, you have a huge opportunity, but actually, I feel it's a huge responsibility to work in a very ethical manner and a, in a way that you understand that you cannot bring the European standards to Oman, but at the same time, we do need some standards. And if nobody else is monitoring, we have to self-monitor and we have to make sure that we're not endangering anyone by tapping into traumas or by tapping into 
things that are dangerous just because we haven't been experienced. We don't want to experiment with people or touch on some stuff because psychology can be dangerous, actually. I mean, if you tap into someone's trauma or childhood abuse or, or something that's very um, traumatizing for that person and you have not been trained or experienced in that, um, then it, it could be very, very dangerous and you could cause harm. So it's very important that we know our limits. Um, and even for, for me, I have my limits um, in terms of therapy, in terms of uh, giving um, advice, in terms of directly uh, talking or with a child. Or I, I know where my boundaries are. Um, not everyone does, unfortunately. And I think psychology is very, very strict with its boundaries on what you're qualified to do. But unfortunately, because we don't have the standards here, then it's challenging that it's up to every single individual to know their boundaries. And not everyone knows their limits and boundaries, unfortunately. Was this one of the reasons why you started uh, with the volunteering work? Yes, yes, it was uh, one. I think uh, I always say that I founded the team out of anger <laughs> and frustration <laughs> rather than just passion and love because... I did not want someone to be in the same situation as I I was. I, I thought that it was unfair that we don't have a place to to develop and to question and to grow together and to even uh, work on mental health together to improve our society and our community. Um, Can but, you tell a little bit about, so how did it all start and... and What's the focus of, of the organization? Um, the focus is mental health awareness. So we are not an association and we're not all professional therapists or psychologists working um, in, in, a, in, in evaluation or uh, giving therapy. But we are trying to end the stigma, just like the rest of the world. We're trying to um, bring up the profession of psychology in its true meaning, because not everyone knows what a psychologist is. Um, a lot of people have a lot of theories on what a psychologist is, but unfortunately, psychology is not understood in a way that it is a scientific method. Um, but we see psychology as a science, and we wanted to do that. We wanted a place so we can all come together and actually work in um, developing the profession together rather than everyone else in their own um, profession. So it started as a very small number of people that graduated from a psychology degree. Some were working, um, Suhair Al-Amri, which is one of them, and Raja Al-Saidi. So they're both graduates of psychology and um, they're working. But uh, I was very fortunate to just get to know them. Out of coincidence, I was looking for a psychology a uh, group for my little sister uh, <laughs> for the summer as a summer camp. And uh, Suhair, which I only knew then, only recently, said, why don't you do it? Um, why is it that you are looking for a place to offer resilience or summer camps, but you don't? You have the capacity to do it? And before, I didn't have the self-esteem or the, the, the image of myself that I can do it. Um, but she gave me the boost. I owe it to her. And we started it together. We did like 13 workshops as a form of a summer program. And then the people sort of stuck 
together and they were like you know what why stop there why don't we continue and, and it, it was uh, sorry to interrupt but it was targeted especially uh, towards youth or yes. in general yes so we are youth ourselves so we're not that uh, old or experienced but at the same time we wanted to address uh, youth in Oman 49% of the population is under the age of 18 so the youth is a huge part of the population and it's very very um, important to in, enrich the population when they're young so when they're old they're they're okay so we wanted to focus on youth um and are there what what are the special topics for youth uh, regarding mental health like i've heard uh in another discussion i heard already the term burnout like this mm. is really become an issue yes. Um, because there's so many multiple tasks and mm. uh, channels mm. uh, of communication at the same time, which is new yeah. also in the country. Um, so, what, what, from your experience, what, what, what are the the, the, the main topics? Um, we try to give stress management, burnout, um, intervention strategies, and stuff like that. But our focus was to basically try to make them like a preventative measure rather than um, something for as an intervention. So we don't want them to reach that stage of anxiety and depression and burnout. We want to sort of protect them. So we give them advice on the importance of managing their stress, the importance of managing their time. At the same time, we try to give them skills in mindfulness and um, how to manage overthinking. Um, when to um, uh, ask for help, which is a huge um, problem. I mean, some people wait until it's really serious until they see a mental health professional. Um, so we're trying to do that, and we're trying to get into more early intervention, especially for young parents and uh, children. I mean, obviously there is a need because it was successful. Mm. <laughs> um Where did you go from there? So there was this summer camp mm. and that was a first sign that there yes. is a need that what you're doing is uh, is asked for yeah. um, and people were happy with it. Yes. Um, after the summer camp, we got a lot of invites uh, to come to schools and talk, to come to universities and talk, to come to different sectors, even companies we went to talk. And then we started to think, you know what, this is not really sustainable. We're not going to cover the whole country and maybe not everything can be done in a workshop. So we focused on social media um, as something more accessible and more sustainable. And after the, uh, after that, we came... So, sorry to interrupt, but just for our listeners, um, social media, that meant you had certain messages about mental yes. health that you put... Uh, yes. So, okay. um, like all promotions of, on... Exactly. So all of our information that we did in our workshops, we um, used designs to just display them in uh, social media. So we used Instagram, we used Twitter, we used Facebook, and these are channels that are more accessible. I mean, uh, now in 2020, we have close to 3,000 uh, followers. Um, but at the same time, we thought that even WhatsApp statuses can work. So mm. by just um, pushing all the information and all the skills and all the topics um, out there, we can just get a spark going and we can get people to talk about mental health. Um, but then we shifted our focus 
to sustainable projects. And that's where um, the website uh, Wahaj started. That's the name of the website? Yes. So Wahaj Oman uh, is the first Omani parenting website. Um, and it's now close to 6,000 hits, uh, visitors. And it's basically there to solve the problem that parents are not getting the help that they need because of the lack of child psychologists and child psychiatrists in the country. So for someone to have a problem and by the time that they report the problem or get a referral, and by the time they get an appointment, it could be close to six, seven, eight months. Uh, sometimes they're lucky they can see a, a, a person in three months and sometimes they, they would take about a year even. And that's a huge problem, especially with children. Children, it's very, very um, important to them, that element of time. So 10 months actually makes a difference. Uh, they can't just wait 10 months. And that's valuable time that we're losing in the life of a child. So we thought about providing them with psychoeducation material. So educational material that's evidence-based and Arabic um, and accessible in a website. Um, and uh, we wanted to do it in a way that it's accessible for everyone, not just the information, but also a guide to tell them where to go after you find that there's a problem with your child. So there's a directory, there's psychoeducation, and there's also stress management for parents. There's a child protection guide also. And of course, this is, I feel, the first step still. Um, but after our uh, success in all of our projects in our first year, we wanted to work on a huge project um, and we learned to do websites alone. So <laughs> we didn't have money as a volunteering team and we didn't have any help. Um, but I always believe that we should learn it ourselves. So we learned how to construct a website um, as psychology graduates and and people that never have uh, have any IT experience and we did the website and um, it took us a year and I think three months which for is us, not which that is long a, if you have to learn everything exactly. like how to do a website you <laughs> it know? was very challenging others take that time just for filling the content yes it's very challenging <laughs> but let me just ask one question here because i find it quite amazing that uh, there is obviously a gap here in the country of uh, not enough service and mm. not enough professionals to fill the needs mm. um, that's there for mm. the children. And so a volunteering organization gets the idea to do that, which is, one could say, this is the responsibility of the government mm. or the health ministry or so, mm. and you don't even get money for that. Mm. I think what I wanted to do, if I actually came up with the idea and gave it to a company and asked for money, everyone will be like, eh, you know, okay, maybe, uh, let's see. But I sort of wanted to get, I wanted to prove to, to the government or the, the, the country or the community that a group of less than 30, we were less than 30 that time, can do a sustainable project, less than 100 reals costs, and it can help. So everyone is always complaining about money and not having enough money to do these projects, and everyone thinks of them as huge um, or requires years of planning and all of that. And I was so angry because 
coming from the UK and coming from an international perspective where I see so many things that can be easily done, I was frustrated and I wanted to prove that we can do it. Let let the youth work, let people give ideas and let our voices be heard and we'll prove it. So it wasn't just a project just to help. It was a chance to prove that a small group of youths with less than 100 rials, which is nothing, by the way, can do a sustainable national project that can work in helping the people in a very long-term, efficient and effective way. And you succeeded. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> no, I mean, this is uh, very amazing. And uh, and especially that, I mean, all of you have got jobs, like full-time jobs. So this is, um, or most of you. Almost of say. us, not all Well, at them. least you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're doing that besides your, um, your work. Yes, I was doing a master's degree also in the middle of that. So, <laughs> so it was a very tough time. But and and I mean, you are not only working in this organization, but you took the leadership role. There is one thing I I, I still remember that you said last time to me. It was, um, I didn't seek the role of a leader, but nobody wanted to take over. So I found myself in a leadership position rather than asking for it. Yes. So um, it happened, but at the same time, you were able to do it. Maybe you want to tell a little bit about this. How, how do you feel now about it? I think, um, I think I read a quote the other day saying that someone that has the arrogance is not a leader, that someone that believes that they can lead and they can do all of these things is different, but someone who has a little bit of a self, like a little bit of, doubt and hesitation will always try harder and they turn out to be better <laughs> leaders. So I, I didn't want that leadership position, but I found that people were somewhat um, putting me in that position. And I didn't realize it was, is it because I'm a control freak? Is it because I have ideas? Is it because I have skills or passion? I don't know what Maybe it is. Maybe it's a combination. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but... Um, I was hesitant in taking that role. At times I sort of panicked and I wanted someone else to take the, the role, but I know that they wouldn't do it the way that I think is right. So that's the control freak part of me. But um, I think by now, after all this time, I believe that I do have some qualities fit for a leader. But at the same time, a leader is someone that knows their weaknesses and, and knows the strengths of other people rather than being put in a position where I am the leader and want that title. And you're still very young. So, I mean, everybody has to learn exactly, uh, exactly. A leadership, like fulfilling exactly. a leadership role. But again, with the frustration, I was so frustrated. Nobody else was doing anything about it. And... I kept on waiting and waiting for someone to come and fix the problem. And I was looking at other professionals and telling them all of the problems that we're facing, hoping that they will just jump up and say, okay, I'm going to fix it. And nobody, nobody wanted to fix the problem. And I got so frustrated and I was like, fine, I'll, I'll fix it. I'll, <laughs> I'll do it. If I, if I don't do it, who will? If I find someone that will, I will, I will gladly just be at ease. But till now, I cannot find someone 
that is willing to jump up to these ideas. Some are trying, and I'm not disregarding anyone else, but I'm just saying that I have so much ideas in me that I find that they don't come easily to other people. Um, and nobody is willing to work as hard as I am. I mean, I take it really, really seriously, but still, nobody... So it's hard it's for others to live up to your, uh, <laughs> to your standards, yeah. I see. But I mean, at the same time, it's, it's a volunteering organization, mm. so that's a very special setting for a yes. leadership role. Even I mean, harder. even harder, because <laughs> you have to always constantly convince people yes. to contribute. And, and you and don't have money to pay them. You don't pay them. Um, I mean, one, I guess one uh, advantage is that volunteering work in Oman is something that people are used to do. Yes. It has a good reputation. Yes. It's different maybe from some uh, European countries mm. where that's not Uh, like the normal thing to do mm. but at the same time still it, it's hard to to keep the engagement and mm. and the drive and energy yes and you have a lot of volunteering groups that die out um if if uh, that person sort of moves on or something there are some even associations that sort of die out because people lose passion or lose drive or... So what do you do that people uh, <laughs> bring their passion into uh, this youth organization? I think, I think the secret is to find out everyone else's why, everyone else's reason. Because not everyone goes into volunteering for the same reason. So some people want to make friendships. Some people want to build up their CV to get a good job. And some people want to network. Some people want to do it because they are depressed and they want friends and they want help and they want to be in a supportive environment. Um, so everyone else, everyone has a story and I interview everyone that wants to join our team. Um, so I personally get to know them and I get to know what they're facing or why they actually want to come in. And there's so many different reasons. And by understanding each person's reason, you understand their motivation. What can you use? So if there's someone that wants to develop their skills, I put them into positions where they develop their skills. If some people want to know about more psychology or mental health or knowledge, I'll put them in an editing job so they can read more. So... So you individualize. I individualize. It was much easier when they were seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. But now they're 40. It's a continuous challenge. Sometimes we'll have a bad week and nobody wants to talk. Nobody wants to work. Everyone's busy. So, and sometimes we'll have a really nice um, week where everyone is just really engaged. And I mean, like you have uh, goals. So you have now the website, yes. but that's not uh, that's not the end. So you're no. <laughs> as far as I know, there is still some ambitious uh, goals where yes. you're heading to. I, so how far do you want to take uh, youth psychology? We are hoping for a psychological association, either to lead or to be part of. Um, but at the same time, I think that the website will turn into, I, I hope, a national. Uh, based website where we can have resources, have a huge um, uh, directory um, for all the services in the country and have a huge dense content um, in training videos. And that's sort of our goal 
right now. Um, but at the same time, we are trying to build more um, resilience programs, more sustainable programs. We're getting into research now, and we're also getting into... Um, research means you're collecting data? Research, we are actually working with uh, professionals in the field to have actual published research. So the team will act as data collectors. Um, those interested in research in the team are working with doctors in the university hospital in the private sector. We are hoping for um, a few studies, international studies, that can be published um, with the help of the team. Uh, so we have so many projects coming. And, and the aim of the research is to to build fundamentals for further uh, yes. work? Yes. So um, for anyone that looked into mental health research in the country, it is so, so tiny. It's such a small number of research studies. And there's so much to do. There's so many prevalent studies that we can do, so many data that we can collect. Um, we don't know the rates of mental health in the country. We don't know how much the youth is suffering from depression and anxiety. We don't know the stress. Mm. We don't know a lot. We're trying to do it in a very okay. scientific, statistical way. And I think that's the only way you can convince policy or, or legislation or anything to enforce change. You need to prove it. And by proving it, you need the numbers. So that's why we're going to research. And it's... Uh, I believe the best sustainable project a volunteering can actually do is research because research stays forever. Hopefully that's the new new outlook for the team. <laughs> it's very exciting and you will need all the 40 yeah. effort <laughs> to realize Hopefully. it. Hopefully. One more question here because uh, we are talking about volunteering mm. organization um, and uh, you had such a beautiful uh, description of, of your understanding of volunteering that mm. you told me last mm. time. Would you, would you tell the listeners? You, because you take it from Quran, actually. It's a very, uh, yes. I found it uh, fascinating. I like the fact that our religion sort of bases us and our good deeds as our intentions. So what our intentions are there. So I take a lot of lessons from uh, life lessons or psychological lessons from Quran and um, the Prophet saying. Um, and one of the prophets saying is that when a person dies, um, some things remain. And the only three things that will remain is someone to pray for for that person and um, uh, something we call sadaqa jariya. So sadaqa jariya is a good deed, but a good deed that is sustainable. So a good deed that continues to be a good deed even after a person dies. Um, and And that for me is extremely important because we can do so much good there's so many people feeding poor families um, there's so many people doing workshops or whatever but what is actually remaining what is that and I think research you know website knowledge all, all of that is Sadaqa um, Jariyab and I think that volunteering is so many ways those three things it is something that someone will pray for you after you finish from that it's something that will continue to be to to give whether it is um a well that they can pump water from whether it is um a knowledge or a skill um but at the same time it has to be a form of transference of information that can benefit mankind 
And I think that's the essence of volunteering. That's a very, uh, <laughs> it's not an easy task. <laughs> no, no, but it keeps uh, us going. <laughs> it keeps it going. Is this what, uh, like what motivates you, uh, in all of this? So where is your big why? Why are you doing all this? Um, I think that's a big question. <laughs> I think part of our motivation is, um, the it's inevitable that we will not stay in this life forever. And the fact is that we put that perspective every day um, in our daily life. So when you talk to someone, it might be the last time you talk to them. When you do something for a person or when you work, it is something that it, you might take and that day might be the last day of your life. And I think that I, I read this, I remember in a book called Tuesdays with Maury or something that death is something that we should talk about um, because it's the ultimate truth. Um, and I think that I always have that perspective, even with my team, I will provide them with a idea. And um, jokingly, I always tell them if I die, you know, put that project in my name, please. So they are, they're always saying, no, why do you keep saying that and all of that? But You start very early. <laughs> I mean, some people start in their late it's, 70s Exactly, or so. exactly. But I think that it's not the fact that I'm always thinking about death. It's just that I love that perspective. But mm. because when you put things in that perspective... It's like a measure that you... It's a measure because mm. everything you do, you put that in that perspective, you will do it so passionately and so deeply and so lovingly because it might be the last day of your life. And a lot of people say, you know, you only live once and all of that, but do you really actually treat people in that perspective? Mm -hmm. Or if I see a patient and I, I might lose that patient or I might go, is, is, is that work done right? And, and my mother uh, always said, which means that if you are going to do something, you, you might as well do it right. You might as well do it perfectly as much as you can, because that's ultimately what life is about. And I think that's my big why. I think that I'm supposed to live in a way that I actually benefit or, or touch someone's life so deeply that... Uh, that is my legacy, how much I'm going to touch that life. So that's probably my big why. I hope that's my big why. I don't know. Maybe my answer beautiful. will be different. <laughs> very wise words of a very young woman. <laughs> I have one final question mm. uh, because we started with you and mm. I would like to end with you. Okay. <laughs> Your future. So where do you see yourself? I think I will stay in my country. <laughs> I won't leave. Um but I do want to become a doctor in clinical psychology. That is my aim for the next five years, hopefully. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I can't do it. I have to go abroad. I can't do it in Oman, but I will come back. I think that it's not what my desire is, but it is my responsibility um, and this uh, burden that I have. My country spent so much money in my education, and I didn't have to pay a single real for my education. And it's probably accumulated to thousands and thousands of Romani reals. So I owe it to my country to come back um, and um, do as much as I can. And I think it's a debt. It's a debt that we have to pay back. 
And I hope, I hope I get to do that. Inshallah, I hope I get to do that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I want to thank my guest and you, dear listeners, for connecting and letting yourselves into our discussion. You will find some more information about today's guest, all podcasts and many more articles on our website, safatalents.org. Please send me some feedback and if you have recommendations and special interests, I'm Katja and I wish you a happy day.